Men make gods out of trees. They make gods out of animals. They make gods out of blades of grass. They make gods out of gold and silver and iron. But our God is alive. He's a living, breathing, almighty, speaking, hearing God. Amen. And it's nice to know him, isn't it? Isn't it nice to know him? Uh, Brother Aaron, are we live? Okay, if you guys, if everybody has your ability to, please share um, this out to everybody that uh, I know we've, we haven't asked you to do that for a while because we've been uh, offline for a while due to some technical difficulties and apparently those have been resolved. So if you can, if you have your phones and whatever, uh, please share this out and, uh, and get, get it shared and people can like it, love it, and whatever else they do to it. And, uh, and, and, and that we can, we can get the, the word of God. We are, we are living in a day, I believe, I truly believe, we need to get every bit of the word of God as far reaching as we can possibly get it. And um, of course, <clears throat> I, I truly believe that we ought to be in the house of the Lord. Um, but uh, I understand several people have some health issues and, uh, and, and for, for those reasons, they're staying home. That is everyone's desire. We, whatever they want to do, we're not going to criticize or condemn everyone. I personally have a conviction that I need to be, I need to have a just weight and balance. And that just weight and balance says, if I go to work, I better be coming to church. If I go to the grocery store, I better be coming to church. If I go to Walmart, I had better be in church. And that's just a just weight and balance. I don't want to be off balance. I don't want to tell the Lord that I can see you digitally, Jesus, but I have to see everybody else face to face. And so that's just me. Um, I, I pray that uh, as a child of God, you, you have convictions uh, that, that drive you to serve God uh, a lot closer. And, um, and so anyway... Um, just saying, but I, I don't criticize anybody who doesn't have that. I, uh, I pray for people to gain those kinds of convictions because I don't want to be standing before the Lord someday and he'll say, boy, you sure went to Walmart a lot. And, uh, um, you know, and, and, I, uh, and I, I'm not going to be able to say, well, I needed food. Because he, he can turn that right around and say, yeah, I know. That's why I had the house of God open. <clears throat> anyway, God's good, isn't he? Yeah. We love him. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So we're going to Revelation chapter 12 tonight, verse 12. And uh, Brother Aaron, he just absolutely loves the book of Revelation. I've got an awful lot of scriptures here, but I only gave Brother Calvin one. Um, I will read the others as we go. But, um, but anyway, it says, therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea for the devil is come down unto you having great wrath 
because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And really what I want to just preach tonight is the peril and the promise. You're going to have two sides. The peril and the promise. Let's go to the Lord. Father, we do love you and we do praise you. And we do ask you, God, to lead us with conviction and your word. We ask you, God, to lead us with your power. We ask you, God, to lead us with your favor. We ask you, God, to lead, give us your direction from your holy word. We ask you, Lord Jesus, to pour your spirit out upon, Lord Jesus, this world, O oh God, for one last mighty revival, Lord Jesus, before you come and take your church away. Jesus, I am fully aware tonight, God, that <clears throat> there is a peril, and along with peril, there is always a promise there's always oh god in perilous times there's always a promise to come lord jesus and i don't pray god for the peril but i pray for the revealing and the fulfilling of the promise we give you the glory we give you the honor jesus hallelujah 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 i praise you lord jesus and i thank you i give you all glory and i give you all honor in jesus name hallelujah hallelujah Praise God. Praise God. Turn around. Tell somebody how wonderful it is to see them in the house of the Lord. And, uh, and, and tell them they look great because you do. Everybody showed up with, uh, with clean clothes. And, and it's nice to see that. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Thank you all for the wonderful cards today and, the, and everything. Um, I, I read all of the cards that the kids made today. And uh, there was there was one that Cameron said, I hate the devil. I hate him so much. And then he said, thank you for being my pastor. And I think I, I think I got caught just a little bit in the presence of the Lord with a little bit of a, a tear. And I was like, oh, my, that's just choking me up. But uh, <clears throat> but anyway, I uh, Cameron doesn't talk to me. He, he's like most of those pooler kids. They stare at me. Amanda still does. <clears throat> she did when she was younger, and she still does today. I know I'm really ugly, but I can't be that ugly. <laughs> but uh, we're live, so I won't tell stories on Manda. But if you ever want to know any stories about Manda, just please see me after service, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and reveal and I was surprised one day when she started talking to me. I was in shock. I'm still traumatized by it. No, just, 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 it's a good trauma. <clears throat> but, uh, but anyway, um, the, uh, the, the Bible, if we believe the Bible to be true, and, and we do, right? We do believe the Bible to be true, then we are living in perilous times. We are living in a day of peril, not just particularly today, but this week, last week, last month, last year. Um, it's been perilous times. It is going to continue to be perilous times. We're not, we're not getting out of these perilous times until we get to heaven. I truly believe that. I believe that uh, it doesn't matter how, how well the stock market does, we're still living in perilous times. I believe that no matter how, uh, how we, we get a message across to the United States, we're still living in perilous times because we live among a self-destructive humanity. Humanity is self-destructing. Um, 
humanity is not being destroyed by anything other than themselves. They have, uh, if you will, they have drank the Kool-Aid um, of self-destruction. They, they, they've, they've taken uh, the, the influence of the enemy, they've taken the influence of the wicked devil himself, and they drank it, and they are living themselves into, they're living a self-destructive lifestyle, and they don't even realize it. Uh, the other day, somebody just kind of told me about a particular person in their life that uh, lives very oppositional. And I, I know this person, and I said, yep, I know. And they went on and said, if, if you tell them to do something and they know it's wrong, they still do it anyway because somebody told them they shouldn't. Because somebody said you should not do that. They know it's wrong. They know they shouldn't do it. But because somebody told them not to, they're going to do it. And unfortunately, there is an awful lot of people that fall onto, into that category. If you don't tell me to, do, if you tell me not to do something, I'm going to do it. I even know it's destructive, but I'm going to do it because it's against you. Ouch. People do the same thing with the Lord. People will read something in the scripture and say, I know God tells me not to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Self-destructive. A lot of times they do it without, without realizing that they are doing it to get the attention of the one that said don't do it. Children many times will do what their parents tell them not to do because they want the attention of their parents. They just want to, they, they know that now I've got your attention and they want to keep having that attention fed to them. They don't care if it's bad attention. They just love to be paid attention to. I'm fully convinced of it. I've seen it so many times. It's actually an emotional problem, but it's also a wake-up call. That if my child will want negative attention, I need to pay attention. Am I not giving them any positive attention? If all they're doing is wanting to, to hear something from me, I don't want them to, to hear negative from me people spend more money training their dogs than they do training their children they'll spend more attention and hey and and, and they'll they'll spend more time training their animals than they do training their children well i don't want my animal to be this and this and this and this and this but i'm willing to let my child be that your animal's not gonna produce anything in society that your child will i'll move on perilous times first timothy second timothy 3 1 this all also that in the last days perilous times shall come and sadly many people will be overtaken by the peril of the age many people will be taken by the peril of the age 
Jesus said in Matthew 24, 12, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Love of many shall wax cold. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. That day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. It's a, it's a time of great peril, spiritually. Um, <clears throat> the nation we live in, I, I'm not even talking about the world right now, although the, the, the world in whole fits the ticket, but the nation we live in has had a very difficult year. I believe it's been a very revealing year. <clears throat> the Lord, the Lord talked to talked to us uh, in 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 late twenty nineteen, early twenty nineteen as well, even late twenty eighteen, about the year twenty twenty. How it'd be a year of focus. It's not just a play on the. It's not just a play on twenty twenty, but it would be a year of focus, and it would be a year uh, of revival, and it would be a year of focus, and 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 so many people were excited, thinking that uh, that just as I was thinking that the church would be filled up with souls hungry for God. But you know, right? Revival has to start here before it'll ever start around you. Focus has to start here before it'll ever start around you. And the Lord talked to us about great revival that would come and great focus that would come. And, and, and all through this year, I just have to confess, I've been asking God, where is it? I'm sure maybe if you've asked the Lord too. And it, it was it was several months ago now, but it was uh, but it came very clearly to me, very very clearly to me in prayer. The Lord started showing me some things about how people have been offered focus and refused it. I gave them an opportunity to focus when I closed the stadiums and the bars. When I shut down all the forms of entertainment that they had readily available and they, they spent all their time doing and going and, 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 and living their lives as if I didn't exist, I gave you opportunity to focus on me. I gave you a mighty window for personal revival. And right about there, I started weeping uncontrollably. Because when God gives the world a window for personal revival, which does in turn turn out to be revival in numbers, people coming back to God and people coming to God, when the world gives that kind of a window and nobody walks through it, I start wondering, where did I miss my opportunity to tell them? Where did I miss my opportunity to sit down and open the Word of God and teach a Bible study and talk to them about the love of God? and talk to them? But, 
Why did I get caught up? Why did I get caught up in the, in the, the famine of spirit that everybody else was caught up in? And I started weeping before the Lord, and the Lord started showing, sh- started showing us all kinds of things, showing me all kinds of things about how he, he is given focus, focus on spiritual things. Don't focus on earthly things. He, I, 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 he says, I've shown you how quickly I can turn earthly things off. Yep. Amen. But I haven't turned my spirit off. Showing you how quickly everything that everybody puts all their hope in, I can turn it off in a moment. Everything that everybody schedules all their time for, I can shut it off in a moment. Everything, I, I, can, I, I can cause it so you are quarantined. But he said, it's not my will for anyone to quarantine. It's my will. It's always been my will. My word is still my will. My will is to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It is a time of great spiritual peril. It's a time in which many will fall away. Unfortunately, we're, we're, not going to, we're, we're not going to get around that. It's a time for many to lose out and, and their love for, for God is going to wax cold. It's a day in which the devil, the enemy of our souls, would love to cause you to withdraw. Just pull into your shells, pull away from God, take cover and hide until Jesus returns and miraculously scoops us out of this perilous place. The days are perilous. We face things now we've never faced before. I say we have never faced before, but those before us have faced for it worse. Those before us have faced far worse. We, we look in the New Testament, and they faced far worse than what we faced right now but we are facing things that we've never faced before. We fight battles now that we've never fought before. But on the other hand, if I am to believe the Scripture, which we do, I don't hide in great peril. I believe in the prediction and the predicted promise. I don't, I don't couch down in great peril, but I stand confident in the promise of God. And we have, to, we have to recognize that the promises of God are still yes and amen. They haven't been washed away. They haven't been gone away. They haven't been virused down. They are still yes and amen. 
And Acts 2.17 is a quote from Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. It was quoted from the book of Joel. It was quoted in the book of Acts. And it's still alive and still readily available today. We live in a day there's peril all around us, but there's promise trying to break through. We don't need to live in the peril, but we have freedom to live in the promise. We have such freedom to live in the promise. I'd like somebody to believe that with me, to recognize that perilous times are all around, but I'm living in the promises of God. I'm standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Daniel 11.32 talks about the people that know their God shall do exploits. But there's a divine contradiction as well. In this age in which God has chosen to place us, there's a great peril and there's great promise. Hallelujah. Simultaneously, there's going to be a falling away, but yet there's going to be a great pouring out. I don't live among the falling away. I live among those who are looking for the great outpouring of God. There is coincidentally a waning of the love of many. Sad when we can't love one another. It's sad when we can't love our brother and sister. It's sad when we can't when we can't enjoy fellowship with one another because because of the temperature of the world. Since when has the Lord told us that the church ought to follow the world? We ought not let the world influence us one bit. If the world wants to kill brother and brother, that's their business. But the church won't do it. I came into the church because it breathed life into me. There's a waning of the love of many, yet there's a group of people right here who know God intimately, who are strong, who are doing exploits. It's a day filled with peril and promise, church. There's peril and there's promise. I don't like the peril, but we're not going to have the promise without it. You're not going to have a testimony without a test. You're not going to have a healing without an affliction. You're not going to have a new birth without an old death. You're not going to have a promise without peril. The good news is we don't have to perish in the peril. We can walk in the promise. Decision is ours. Decision is mine, the decision is yours into which one of those circumstances you're going to allow to govern you and shape you. I can be paralyzed by peril or I can be propelled by promise. Which one are you going to be? I like to every now and then, I don't, I don't drink them most of the time because I, I, I'm, I'm scared. To, I, I had a Red Bull one time. 
I don't do energy drinks. I had a Red Bull one time. It didn't give me energy. It gave me something, but it wasn't energy. I'm kind of nervous about those things. At one time in my life, I was a, a little bit addicted to uh, um, uh, Gatorade and, and uh, some of those other Powerade because, uh, because of the, the, the work that I did, and I, just, I, I would drink a gallon of it a day and, uh, or, or more, more, mostly more. But, um, but then uh, after a while, you know, when you slow down, you don't need to do that anyway. But I, I guess maybe those are energy drinks. I didn't really think they were energy drinks. But I see energy drinks monster. I mean, I don't know about you, but who in the right mind wants to ingest monster? That's like a rat saying, give me some decon. I want that. I just don't get it. I mean, some of these things, you look at the cans and you're like, what in the world? Oh, yeah, that, that, that looks terrorizing, so I think I'm going to drink it. But there's a, there's a drink out there called Propel. Anybody ever have it? I really don't know what's in it. A propellant, to me, when I was growing up, meant something flammable. It was kind of jet fuel, you know. <laughs> that was a propellant. So I'm already a little bit tainted by looking at something, said a drink called Propel. I'm like, I don't know, is it flammable? Am I drinking, you know, turpentine or something? Don't I don't know if I've ever had it. Maybe I have. Maybe somebody has poured it into a glass and given it to me, and I don't even know what it is. I think... It's water with some additives. Am I right? It's like a jacked up water. Wait, wavered water? Flavored water. Flavored water. Or wayward, you know. Uh, um, flavored water. I, I don't reckon, I don't really know if I've ever had it or not. But, uh, but, but, but people buy it like crazy. They buy this propel like crazy. So, so I, I kind of have this, this opinion by, by looking at people and what they drink that we all want to live with a little more excitement in our lives. I kind of have this, this mindset that everybody is looking for more energy. Everybody's looking for more life. Everybody's looking for something to better themselves. I'm, I'm kind of, am I on the right path? Is that what people are doing? And if, if that's the case and, and people are buying Propel and they're buying Monster and Gatorade and all kinds of things that, 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 that give them uh, energy. If people are wanting to have energy for their life, then why are we so self-destructive? Why would we be paralyzed by peril when we spend all of our money on propellants? We have a mindset that we want to do more and go farther. If that is our mindset and we spend money on it, why in the world would we fall for the perilous times? So I already know that people want to propel. 
I know that. We want to propel. But are we willing to propel spiritually? Or are we going to let the circumstances of our surroundings paralyze us? I can't pray because of all these paralytics I have in my life. I've got stuff taking all my time. I've got stuff. I've got bills stacked up. I've got. I've got schedules to keep. I've got. I've got everybody calling and needing something, and everybody crying out to me. And and and, and parents are. I, I think I lost my mic, but that's. Uh, uh, but par- parents are always excited about because kids take an awful lot of time. You ever just try to sit down and read the Bible with little kids? It's perilous. But we we have all kinds of things that we can be paralyzed by or we can be propelled by. Our world is trying so hard to find a propellant for themselves. But I think they're missing reading the label. Because the propellants that are most actively sought after will shut off and drop you right back to the ground. Aaron mentioned it earlier today and and people people will people will drink energy drinks or or caffeinated drinks and stuff and they they drink them and then there's the crash somebody I was talking to the other day you know about sugar and 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 all the wire they're wired up they're wired up I said just give them a little bit more they'll it'll 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 counter effect and they'll, they'll crash just I was kidding about it wasn't really <clears throat> condoning it but but there's always there, there's always this propellant that that we 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 consume and and it, it can only take us so far and then we crash and then we're paralyzed again we're misreading the label the bible tells us you know the the ingredients in here Tell us that in Him is everlasting life. Tell us that at the right hand there are pleasures forevermore. That the joy of the Lord is my strength. That there's that that there, that, that, that the the propellants the propellants of of God's Spirit are not going to drop me like the propellants that people purchase and ingest do. Everybody wants the propellant. But people are misreading the labels or the label is omitting that this is only going to take you so far it's just going to drop you off the cliff. We can be paralyzed by the peril or we can be propelled by the promise. The promises of God are going to propel you and never drop you off. I can pull into my shell 
I can try to hide from the sin that abounds or I can go into all the world with a full confidence that there's never been a greater opportunity to take this message to the lost of the world. We've never had a greater opportunity. People are hungrier now than they ever have been. I could be overwhelmed by the obstacles in my life or I could be excited by the opportunities. There's a contradiction. There's this simultaneous contradiction. I can, it, it depends on what I'm looking at. If I'm going to look at all the problems instead of the solution, I'm not going to have the promise fulfilled. But if I can look to the solution, which is Jesus Christ, amen? Then, then, I can be propelled into promise. Peril abounds. Without peril, we can't have promise. Where, where is our focus? Where is our focus? Our, is our focus on the peril or is our focus on the promise? Where is our focus in the day that we live? Is our, per, is our focus on the peril or is it on the promise? Turn on the news, it's going to be on the peril, I guarantee you. Turn on the news. and I, I, have, I, have tried to, I have tried to avoid the news for the last week or so um, just because I've been so frustrated by it. But turn on, turn on the news and, and, and you're going you're, you're, you're to have peril feeding into you and you're going to feel paralyzed by it. Or you can get to an altar and you're going to have promise fed into your soul. We read, we, we read consistently through Scripture. When the child of God was in perilous times, they found their hope and their strength in God. They found it in prayer. They found it in obedience. They found it in walking with the Lord, serving the Lord. We are no different. We cannot think we are any different. God has given us tremendous, tremendous opportunity in 2020. Tremendous opportunity he's given us in 2020. I don't know if we'll ever have a greater opportunity handed to us. I don't know if we'll ever have a more powerful, clearer opportunity handed to us. I have had people that would would absolutely deny the existence of God start conversations with me about what I think God is doing in this year. People that would never even talk about God or, or the only thing they would do is curse God. And they would deny His existence are now saying, what do you think God's doing? And of course, I, 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 have, to, I have to take a breath because my initial reaction is, wait a minute, why are you talking about God? But I have to take a breath and I have to think, okay, here's the door. Here's an open door. Here's an opportunity. Thank you, Jesus. And tell them that I believe God is trying to get the attention of every soul on earth. Because we've been giving our attention to absolutely everything except God. One of Newton's law laws say this. Says, says, For every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. God's law reads a little bit more something like this. For every one of Satan's actions, God produces an opposite and greater reaction. 
I just heard yesterday, and, and uh, I, I wish I could quote it word for word, but I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to mess it up. But I, I heard somebody say that in, in the world, in the earth, there is no neutrality. Every inch of ground is claimed by God or by the devil. And every second of your time is claimed by either God or the devil. There is no neutral area. Within time and within matter, every inch and every second is claimed by God or the devil. You either give ground or you make ground in the kingdom. You either forfeit it or you conquer it. But in Romans 5.20, let's just prove that God's greater. Uh, moreover, the law entered uh, that the, uh, the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Hello? God said, yeah, if sin's going to abound, I've got, better, I've got bigger grace than there is sin. Right. If there's sin abounding, I've got grace that's going to abound a lot better, than, a lot more than that. So God says, devil, you just go ahead and do what you're going to do. I'm going to do it better. I've got something greater for my people. John 10.10, the thief cometh, but not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. He's not just going to give you life. He's going to give it more abundantly. Satan sends sin to destroy us, but wherever sin abounds, the grace of God much more abounds. Satan brings death and destruction to mankind, but God brings life and he brings it more abundantly. He, he supercharges your life. I don't know if you've ever driven something that was supercharged or not, uh, uh, but, uh, but I, I've, had, I've had vehicles that, that, that were turbocharged and, and vehicles that were not turbocharged with the same engine and just not turbocharged. I've, I've driven, driven one that had no turbo and one that had a turbo, and I'll tell you, it's a day and night difference. Day and night difference. And, and when, when, I, when I was a kid, of course, uh, driving tractors and stuff, those tractors all had turbochargers. Those diesels always had turbochargers because you had to, well, whenever you needed just a little bit more, you just, you just had it available. But people's cars, they weren't so turbocharged. And then, and then they started coming out with little turbochargers on cars. And, and I had this little car, I call it the Silver Bullet. I uh, had this little car. It was a little turbocharged Dodge Charger. Um, it, it, it was not the, not the nice chargers. It was one of those little K-car chargers. But um, my, my sister-in-law, she had the very same car, very same engine, except no turbocharger. I would drive hers and and, uh, and 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 you know, it, it, little four cylinders, all it had. And I'd drive hers, and and uh, and, and it was a, it kind of a peppy little thing. Well, there, it was just like driving a go kart. Uh, but but anyway, I, I would get in get in mine, and and that turbo would wind up, and zoom, it would just smoke her little car all to pieces. And so we used to tease her a lot about about how 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 my my car with the same engine and everything was the not really everything the same but uh, but but uh, and her dad built both cars, her dad built both of them, 
and, uh, and, and he, he tried to sell that little silver car to me, and I, I, I was going to buy it from him, but I ended up not buying it from him, and I ended up a couple, a few months later buying it from the bank because the kid that did buy it from him um, lost it. He, he, uh, and so the bank called me up and says, hey, I got this little car for you you might like. And I says, let me come by and look at it. And I looked at it, and I'm like, ha, 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 yeah, I'll take it. Got it for a few thousand dollars less than what my brother's father-in-law was trying to sell it to me for. <clears throat> drove it drove it right over to his house and he says where'd you get that i said i bought it he goes no you didn't i tried to sell that to you i said i know and i got it cheaper <clears throat> but uh, uh enough for the commercials but <clears throat> but anyway it, we it's it supercharged uh, a life that's supercharged a life that's more abundant a life that's a little supercharged is a whole lot more exciting than a life that's just living lived life that's just lived somebody just barely getting through somebody somebody that's focused on they're they're so focused on the earthly that the spiritual has no value um they're 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 just bored They're, they're bored with the things of god because they haven't given themselves completely to the things of god the things of god are 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 religious uh uh the almost obstacles and obligations in their life they're not living for god they're just going to church and that's not going to work from here on out it's not going to work We've got to have the Holy Ghost. We've got to have the power of God. We've got to worship God. We've got to, we, we've got to do above and beyond. We've got to have life and that more abundant if we're going to conquer the peril, if we're going to live in the promise. Deuteronomy 28, 7 says, The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before the seven ways the enemy brings an attack one way and god kicks them seven ways out isaiah fifty nine nineteen. so shall they fear the name of the lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun when the enemy shall come in like a flood the spirit of the lord shall lift up a standard against him Somebody, some, somebody actually said in that in that verse they they thought the translators made a little bit of a mistake and and uh, put the comma in the wrong place. They said it ought to read when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit shall lift up a standard. I think we can probably take a little license there since the original text didn't have any punctuation. But uh, but anyway, um, we we ought to we we ought to recognize that either way, God is so much better by flooding our souls with His strength and His mercy and His love than the enemy is with flooding our minds with its garbage. The peril or the promise. Luke ten nineteen. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I wonder, I don't know about you, but I wonder at times how many things I have just walked over that could have been severely damaging to me. And I have just walked over them. 
We don't run out and say, oh, there's some nice nail sticking up. I think I'm going to go step on it and see if it hurts. Just like we don't walk over and say, oh, there's a rattlesnake. I think I'm going to go see if he'll bite me and see if I have enough faith to, in, in God. We don't take a gun and say, I think I'm going to shoot myself in the hand and see if the bullet bounces off. We don't do stupid things like that. But what God does for you and I is He allows you to walk on things without them harming you, but also without you even knowing that they were there. An awful lot of times, I believe the Lord keeps us. It's like God gives us a blind spot in areas of our life that we would probably... Uh, we, we would probably freak out if we saw what was there. But yet, because it's in a blind spot, we haven't seen it, and it hasn't even been able to touch us. I don't know about you, but I've, uh, we, we live in Wisconsin, right? You can be driving, you can be driving around Wisconsin, and, uh, and 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 all of a sudden, you you just you driving in the night, and and all of a sudden, you're just driving along, and a deer is standing right there beside you. You didn't see it, and it's just standing there. And after you go blowing past it at fifty-five or sixty miles an hour, and it, it comes. In view, after your blind spot, you're like, thank you, Jesus. Because I didn't see that. And other times, he says, I want to give you some meat, so I'm going to have somebody hit a deer for you. <laughs> Brother Gary's going give to give me some deer meat tonight because he hit a deer today. But, uh, but, but anyway... But 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 we 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 have to we have to recognize that there are blind spots. I don't. It's happened to me thousands of times, thousands of times when I I go flying past something. And I'm like, whoa, wow! I never saw that. And if that would have taken just one step, that could have been pretty damaging. Some of those things I think God allows you to see as you fly past it. Other things I think that God says, well, you don't need to see that. And he'll just keep, he'll just keep that standing right there and, and you'll just go flying right past it without even noticing. And he says, you didn't need, you, you didn't need to see that. You don't, need to see, you don't need to see today that I'm covering you. You don't need to see today that I've got, I've got you covered. I've got, you don't need to see the grace and the mercy that's always flowing around you. And... and People have asked me many times, aren't you worried about your kids driving and this and that and the other? And I'm thinking, you know, if, if, if my kids didn't have the Holy Ghost, I'd be severely worried because they can't drive. <clears throat> I'm kidding. They're good drivers. They're good drivers. Hadassah was the one I had to worry about. I would ride with Adasa and I'd be thanking God the whole time. Lord, you have proven to me that she has angels. And I wasn't really kidding. Half kidding, but not really kidding. 
But but on, on a serious note, on, on a serious note, if my children were not serving the Lord, I would be scared to death of them going anywhere in the world that we have. But because they serve the Lord, they've had angels about them since birth. And I just say, thank you, Jesus. Keep them covered. Keep them covered. My mother used to pray that about me when I wasn't in church. And I look back at the times when I could have and should have and probably would have been dead if my mother wasn't praying for me. I've had a car roll over me twice. It, it rolled over me as I was flying out of it. I have no idea how I'm still alive. I've had other situations happen to me. I've, I've had a lot of, lot, lot of broken bones. I've had a lot of close calls. I've, had, I've, I've fallen asleep hundreds of times driving and woke up when my car was in the air and gravel started flying because I landed. And I'm like, what in the world? I wake up and I'm, whoa. Went off the pavement onto a gravel road. Thank God there was a gravel road there. And thank God that there wasn't anything coming through where the stop sign was where I should have woke up and stopped. I've woken up in the ditch many times. Uh, I woke up one time. I was flying out of the ditch into my parents' yard. I wasn't drunk. I was asleep. Drove right down the ditch, and I was, I was in midair as I woke up. And I was like, ha! Landed right in their front yard. Blew a tire out. Tore up the grass, sat there shaking for a few minutes, maybe longer. Decided <clears throat> it's probably best to get the car off the grass. Regardless of how damaged it is, I better not let mom and dad wake up and see this thing sitting here. Got it driven up into the front of the house, walked in the house. The next day, Mom says, were you sleeping again? She says, what do you mean, Mom? She says, you tore up your car. Sleeping again? Says, yeah. She says, you really need to do something about that. I worked so long and so so many hours as a kid. I did so much just to, just, just to. I, I don't know why. I was just stupid. I, I did did everything I could just to just, just to keep working and things. And and uh, and I had 15 miles to drive home. And I think the first two miles is all I was really awake. After that, I, I can fall asleep from here to my house, five miles away, if I'm not paying attention. It was horrible. It was so bad for me. That um, and and I know that my mama prayed angels over me, because I know a lot of people who fall asleep at the wheel and didn't make it. I'm grateful for that, and because I know that. I had angels around me in my stupidity, in the, in the midst of me not knowing anything about God and, and not paying any attention to anything. I, if I know that, I know 25,000 times more that my kids have angels around them. But that doesn't give them the right to fall asleep when they're driving. <clears throat> so I don't worry as 
I probably ought to, and I don't worry as if, if, if they were in the world, I wouldn't be able to sleep a wink. But they're covered by angels. They're living in the promise, not in the peril. There's security in the promise that you don't have in the peril. There's such incredible security in the promise that is not found in the peril. But Jesus just kind of says, there's, there's, I'm, not, I'm not saying the enemy doesn't have power. The enemy does have power. It's, it's there. But, and, and, and the enemy's mission is to devour whom he may. But if you don't, if you don't stay full of the Holy Ghost, you don't have an ability, any ability to withstand the attack. Uh, the, Lord, the Lord's not, he, he's taken into account all of the power of the enemy. And he said, I've got a solution for that. I'll take into account every, all the power that he has, but I'll, I've got a solution. My spirit, greater am I in you than anything he has in the world. Remember the, the scripture, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Remember the song, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Remember, it's the power of the promise, not the power of the peril. God gives us power that supersedes, supersedes anything the enemy ever has to offer. when, When we get down with perilous things that are attacking us, we ought to be wise enough by now to realize, shut up that voice and get to an altar. Find a place of prayer so that the power can plug back into us again. Uh, anybody, anybody ever pay attention to these electric cars? Um, I, I'm, I'm a little fascinated by them a little bit. I'm, I'm scared of them still, but uh, fascinated by them. But, uh, but the, the, the Tesla is the big one that everybody is familiar with. Tesla understands that you can only go this far before you need power, before you need a charge. And so they have set up power stations across the United States and probably throughout the world, but across the United States I know for sure they have set up power stations and when you have a Tesla you have you have an app and you know exactly where the next power station is. And and your car is going to tell you how much power you need and it's going to tell you all all kinds of different things. It's, 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 just, it's just incredible how, how it all works. It tells you you have this many miles to go. Uh, you can do this. You can go here. You can do this. You can stop here. You can stop here. It's going to take you on average of 45 minutes to charge again. Um, if you have a family, it's going to take you about 45 minutes every time you stop for gas because everybody has to go to McDonald's and Taco Bell in the bathroom and stop here. and Let's go across the street while we're here and let's see what Let's check out this gift shop and let's let's do this and let's stop. And it's going to take you 45 minutes minimum anyway, so you might as well go ahead and and, and fill up your car with electricity, right? But uh, <clears throat> so so anyway, uh, they they've got it all mapped out and planned out. And now now I I look at that and I'm thinking that's pretty cool. They've got they they know they know wherever you're going and and where you're going to need to plug in to recharge. They know that. That's pretty cool. Elon Musk has a pretty good team, obviously. But I 
kind of think we ought to just look and say, I think God's a little smarter than that. He knows where you're going. He's directed your steps. And He knows that you need the power to get there. He understands when you need a recharge. You know, we think we need a recharge Sunday nights, maybe Wednesday nights, maybe even Sunday mornings. We need a recharge. And if we have a revival, maybe it's going to be Friday night and Saturday, and we might need a supercharge then. But we kind of think we have it mapped out. But we don't really have it mapped out because the Bible says we ought to seek Him daily. And because we're so overwhelmed with our schedules and we're so wrapped up with the perilous times and and we're so out of focus and distracted by everything else, we don't seek Him daily and therefore by about noon, we're just about destroyed. Because we haven't plugged in. Some people can't even hold a victory until they walk in the door at work. They lost the victory before they even punched the clock. Some people can't, can't, can't hold on to the victory until they punch out. Some people are so out of focus, they don't have a clue about what God is trying to do in their life that day because they're avoiding anything that He would say to them. They haven't opened up their mind to Him. They haven't plugged into Him. They haven't, they haven't charged for the day. So they're living in peril, not in promise. And depression overtakes them. Oppression overtakes them. Frustration overtakes every one of the shuns happens. We're so overloaded with the shuns, the the frustrations and the and the and the depressions and the oppressions and all every shun that you can think of has taken over in your life because you've decided maybe your schedule decided it for you to live in the peril instead of the promise. Instead of praying a covering over your house, you're praying maybe God ought to drop some dynamite on it. Blow it all up, God, so I can start over with something that I like. The crazy thing is, what you like is going to cost you a whole lot more than what you have. Tomorrow morning, you're going to have a choice. Peril or promise. You'll get around people that are going to feed peril into your life. And if you haven't already filled yourself with promise, 
that peril it's not going to take much before it turns you it's kind of like fast food people don't really like it until they're really hungry when they get really hungry the stuff that they know is not going to make them feel good is just going to fill. I've got two minutes, and that burger is smelling really, really good. There are times I have to make a confession. I will go through a fast food joint, and I will eat it while I'm going through the car wash because that's as much time as I have for lunch. And I will finish it in that car wash. By the time I get to the other side of the car wash, I am repenting. But the car wash is kind of a nice dead spot. It's that place that takes three minutes to go through and you don't have to worry about getting distracted by a phone call because Lord please make it a dead spot I don't want to hear from anybody right now but the suds just let me and instead I'm like time I get out of the car wash the phone has service again. And it rings. So anyway, um, we, 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 have these, we, we have these horrible things where, where we, we, we have opportunities to fill up with power, but if we're not filling up with power, we're going to fill up with peril. Because power is going to propel us into promise. Peril is going to paralyze us. We'll be paralyzed and we'll be and we'll and we'll we'll get through the rest of our day possibly <clears throat> wondering how in the world did I allow that to attack me? How did I allow that to get to me? How did I allow that to bite me today? How did I allow that? I know better and yet I stuck my hand in the stinking wolf's mouth. Maybe you don't think like that, but I do. Peril is there. The promise is greater. Here's a key. Luke 24, 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tear ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued from power from on high. <clears throat> Acts 1 and 8 is a beautiful, beautiful verse. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Let me just ask you this. Do you want to be a witness? Do you want to be a witness? Do you want to be a witness tomorrow? We, we, we tend to think the Holy Ghost comes upon us on Sunday night. Praise God. We make it home. We don't have anybody to witness to, so we're free and clear, right? But tomorrow, if we want to be a witness, tomorrow we're going to have to have power. The Holy Ghost is going to have to come upon you again. 
Holy Ghost is going to have to come upon you again because you need the power for the promise to work. You need the power for the promise to work. We, we, we cannot look at that verse and say, oh, thank God I got power the first day I got the Holy Ghost and I became a witness and am I still the witness tomorrow as I was today? Am I still the witness today as I was yesterday? If we answer that question, no, then we still need a burst of power. Because we have to be witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Guess what? You need to be a witness tomorrow. And you need to be a witness on Tuesday. And you need to be a witness on Wednesday. And you need to be a witness on Thursday. You need to be a witness on Friday. You need to be a witness on Saturday. You need to be a witness on Sunday. We need to be a witness on Monday. You need, we, we need to be a witness every day. That means we need to be filled every day. Well, I don't have time to get filled. Oh, my goodness, are you kidding me? It's kind of like your car. If you really think that you don't have time to give, to put, put gas in that thing and fill it up, maybe you ought to not be driving one because you're not going to get very far on empty. Amen? Just, I'm, I'm just, uh, well, let, we might as well just be real about it, right? So what changes peril into promise? It's the power of the Holy Ghost. That's what changes peril into promise. We need to be filled with it. We need this generation of any generation. Of course, we know that's needed for, uh, for salvation. We understand that. We read it in Scripture. We understand that if you're not born again of water and spirit, according to John chapter 3, you're not even going to see the kingdom of heaven. You're not going to see the kingdom of God. If you're not born again, you've got to be born again. You must be born again. It's, sal- it's a salvation issue. It's not a, well, I think it's a cool idea. It's a salvation issue. We understand that. But this generation, this generation, Generation. This gen I don't know if the children are listening or not, but this generation needs the Holy Ghost far more, far more, far more, far more, far more, because of the bombardment through everything. I'm 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 not looking, but I can almost imagine we've had four or five children check out during this message because they've got some kind of digital device in front of them. I'm not looking. And I'm not, I'm not condemning. I'm just telling you that bombardment is going to keep your children from the kingdom. It's going to keep them from the kingdom. If you're going to give them every, every way to distract them from the king, it's going to keep them from the kingdom. We cannot expect our children to serve God when they are bombarded with everything, the internet, magazines, television, everything, that, that every digital device, everything that we put in front of them to, to calm them down, we cannot expect them to ever serve the Lord. Now, in our generation... People watched the Ten Commandments and thought they were saved. Well, I've seen the Ten Commandments. I know all about the Bible because I've watched a movie. That messed up my generation. Imagine, imagine what this next generation's going through when it doesn't, it doesn't matter how, how digitized you try to make the Bible. It's not the Bible unless you are getting it from the Bible. 
It doesn't matter how often you have them listen to prayer. It's not prayer unless they're praying. It doesn't matter how much you you show them a worship service unless they're worshiping. You cannot make the gospel a form of entertainment and expect it to be their salvation. It never worked. Kirk Franklin, it never worked for him. He realized he, he, was trying to, he was trying to entertain everybody into the kingdom and he realized all he was doing was making money. Nobody was coming to the Lord. People were, people were excited about his form of entertainment. Carmen, the same thing. They were excited about his form of entertainment. His message was to try to get people to come to God, but they were coming to him, not to God. Anytime you try to be an entertainer for the kingdom, you're going to be the object of entertainment. And the king, when we entertain Jesus, he makes us the object that he focuses on. You're going you're gonna to entertain me? I'm going to bless you. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to come to you. Our society is in peril. Our society is in peril. And the bombardment against this generation, the bombardment against this generation that that, that people think are tools to educate are educating them very truly. Educating them away from Jesus, not towards Him. So let's stand, if you would. Paul cautioned us to watch for different things. He cautioned us to watch for men to be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. He said, he, he went on and said, They may even have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. And then Paul tells us, from such, turn away. The symptoms are there, aren't they? The symptoms are there. The peril is evident. Would you gather in the altar tonight? And I'd like the kids to come. I love every one of these children. Doesn't matter where they come from. Doesn't matter where they're headed. Doesn't matter what kind of home they're in. Of course, tonight I think I don't know if we have any kids that are from um, that are that, that their parents aren't with them. I think most everybody. I think we've. Got, I see one that parents not here. I'd like the ki- kids to come. I'd like kids to be at the altar. Amen. Bring bring the children right up right up to the altar if you could please. Bring them right up to the altar. I want to do something tonight. I'm burdened for our kids. 